You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet After Dark podcast. This is uh, the Colin Show. I was going to say something else, and then I was going to do the thing. It doesn't matter. I'm glad you're here. So happy to be doing this. I'm sorry about last night. There was a... Uh, I, I, I put out the call, and then I gave you guys almost no time to call in before I had to go. Uh, yesterday was supposed to... So so let me give you a little insight into my life. And I, I don't mean to make excuses. Don't like making excuses. But just so we're clear, because I'm sure you're getting tired of the irregularity of the show, et cetera, et cetera. My wife and I have been on... Um, Let's just say probably less than five dates in our marriage. And we've been married for nine years, I think it is. Um, we were planning on going on another one. We found a restaurant around here that we really like. Doesn't have very good reviews. Nobody goes there. It's kind of a... But it's it's the only place in this kind of podunk area where you, you find like an actual nice fine dining experience. Like they make you make a reservation even though nobody's there, but it doesn't matter. It adds to it. The lights are down. There's some Italian music going, you know, whatever. So we really like this place. We were planning on going for our anniversary, which is in November. We weren't able to go. We kept making dates and they kept kind of not happening, not working out. Too much stuff going on, kids' stuff, my stuff, her stuff. We're going to go for uh, birthdays. My birthday was uh, the end of November. Um, that didn't pan out. Um, and on and on and on. So Valentine's Day comes up. We we're going to go for Valentine's Day. That didn't work out. And so we planned on let's do Friday. We we're going to go. Everything's ready to go. So I put out the call, like, let's do this. And... Um, Time ran out, we got to get going, and then something came up, and we couldn't go. So, <laughs> I'm, I am, uh, we're, we're, we are on a very tight timeline here <laughs> to, to get stuff done. Um, occasionally, I do have free time. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, like, well, you have been talking about playing games and watching TV, don't you have time? Well, the reason for that is when my wife takes the older kid somewhere and doesn't want to bring the little one. And so I bring the little one in my office and she watches TV and make a bunch of noise. So I can do stuff. I can do research. 
usually I'll watch, I'll do research and watch YouTube stuff. Sometimes I'll play video games and let YouTube roll. That's how I get some YouTube clips. And then I'll take notes. I'll pause the game, take notes, whatever. So I can do that, but I'm, I'm watching the little one. Um, so anyways, again, I don't mean to make excuses. I'm just, just to give you an example of <laughs> how difficult things can be. Um, we have been trying to go on this date since, well, let's see, December, January, February, three months now we've been trying. It's been almost uh, almost four months. But anyways, it was at the cutoff. We had about seven calls, and I was like, man, I just don't think that's enough, and I want to kind of get ready and do all this stuff. So I just decided, made an executive decision. The answer was no. Now I come back. We have 24 calls. So really, really appreciate how many people put in just a ton of calls. And... New callers. So anyways, all that being said, sorry for that massive disclaimer. For those of you that are new, hopefully you stuck around for that. If you'd like to participate, the phone number here is 608 It's a Packers podcast, so preferably you call in, you complain about Rogers, you complain about uh, Gutekunst, you do something like that. But it's an open forum. You can call in and be happy if you want to. It would be a change of pace, but it's a thing that you could do. Um, you could call in and talk about whatever you want. Conspiracy theories, favorite foods favorite Iron Chef, stuff like that. Anyways, I am super stoked for all the new callers, and I am going to, uh, if you're not already sick of me making all those graphics and stuff with the AI and everything, um, just wait, because I'm going to thank my graphic for all the new calls. So there will be plenty more of that. But let's get started with the new caller of the day. New caller, what's going on? Yeah, what's good, Ryan? What's good? Uh, long time fan, first time caller. And I gotta say, I went to a preseason game um, this past year. Yeah. And Jordan Love was out there, and he was doing some good things. But it felt to me, and I was sitting in good seats, that everybody was against him. Really? And I was sitting by Packers fans. It, it seemed, you know, it seemed to be the same type of people, older. Yeah. Um. Less pigment. <laughs> Got it. Most Green Bay fans are. And they did not like this young black man yeah. out there. It was to the point where every time he even made a good pass, they wouldn't say anything. He did something bad, they'd be up. I remember them distinctly saying, he's not the answer. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's wrong. I think people... I'm not ready for change. Right. And maybe there's a problem in some people's minds with the black quarterback stuff. Well, I wish you'd uh, given me your name. I don't know what to call you. I looked up your area code um, so I can kind of see up in that area, kind of kind of where I uh, resided up in the uh, northeast suburbs of Chicago. So, um, anyways, I don't know if you called back in, but I'm going to have to make up a name for you. So that is sort of a, an angle that hasn't really been explored as much, but I have a feeling that's a narrative that's going to explode. Here, here's sort of the issue, because if you think about it in terms of, of um, the heck of the Venn diagrams or whatever, I don't know if that's even the right example or whatever, but, but let's just say a, a couple things here. Number one... We do know, for example, we'll, we'll, we'll get into race. That's how we're going to start this whole podcast, making everybody uncomfortable. That's what I do best anyway. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that 
there are racist people. And there is no doubt, considering how massive the Green Bay Packers audience is, that there's got to be some people on this that are fans of this team that are racist. We're talking white racists as opposed to black or Mexican or other kinds of racists. White people that are racist don't like minorities. Now, they have to reconcile in their own mind how they root for an entire team of black people. But whatever. We'll, uh, that's their problem to figure out. There's no doubt, though, they're not going to like a black quarterback. Right? That is a thing. I think that that's an overblown thing. I think the NFL media in particular is obsessed with this topic. And I think that their lack of nuance uh, creates an environment that kind of almost mocks the entire situation to me, like with the Eric Bieniemy thing. I think that it's hard to actually address the issue when people are being so ridiculous. And it would be easier if people could be more nuanced. But anyways, there's no doubt that there are people that are looking at it saying they don't want their quarterback to be black. Okay, so that's a group of people. But that same demographic that you described, the old white guys, right, which is, you know, just basically the old fans for the most part, because, you know, like you said, it's mostly white. I mean, that's pretty much every fan base, but maybe more so in Green Bay specifically. Although I went there and I got to be honest, it's a pretty diverse area. But anyways, maybe it's just because I was at a park or something. There's also going to be that group that said the exact same things about Aaron Rodgers, right? So we know for a fact that just like you said, there are people that are opposed to change. We, we know the, the turlet bowl guy. And it was, you know, if you go back and look, we, it, it's, it's a very known thing that there were a group of older guys that get attached to Brett Favre and they hated Aaron. I, I've, I've told the story a thousand times. It was, I think it was my 21st birthday party. That was the game that uh, Aaron Rodgers came in. I think it was against the Dallas Cowboys. And there was a friend of mine. And again, there was, there was like two camps of people kind of similar to now. There were the pro Brett Favre people and then there were the pro-Green Bay Packers people. And it's the exact same split that you have now. And I was on the Packers side then. I'm on the Packers side now. I had gotten tired of Brett Favre. I was tired of the will he, won't he. The, the play was declining. And, and you were starting to see glimmers from Aaron Rodgers. And I was worried that he was going to go, right? So I, I was in the same camp then as I am now. There was a friend of mine. Super, super good dude. I, I swear. He's like the nicest guy you've ever met. But he's kind of funny. And you get a couple drinks in him. And he's, he's a little Irish guy. And he gets kind of heated. And, and plus, this is just how we talked back in college. Every other word was a swear or whatever. So we always, it sounds like he's a much more angry person than he is, but it's just kind of how we talk. I remember one time I was on the phone with my friend and had a conversation and I hung up and the girl that I was sitting next to looked at me. She said, are you guys okay? Like, what are you talking about? She's like, you were screaming at each other. I was like, oh, no, no, we're good. That's just how we talk. But anyways, Aaron Rodgers comes in and immediately F this guy, right? He's a POS, blah, blah, blah. That's just how it was. He was a Jet Favre guy in the entire game. And I think he ended up going 10 for 10, and it was on like his 10th pass that finally he was like, all right, maybe he's okay. But so what we have is, is a lot of overlap. And the, the problem that I have is it, from my perspective, and this is very different than a lot of people, a lot of people perceive that the two circles are mostly the massive circle of racist white people that hate black people, and it's this massive the cabal of, of KKK people in, in Green Bay. I view it as mostly just old crotchety people that don't like change, that are obsessed with Aaron Rodgers, they're loyal to Aaron Rodgers, they're thankful to Aaron Rodgers, and um, they don't want that to go away, and they don't believe in the talent of Jordan Love. And if Jordan Love was white, they wouldn't be any different. And so the question is, how big are the two uh, circles, right? But also from my perspective, because we can't 
see them. Even if it's 90-10, 90% racist, 10% not. I think it's unfair to label the entire pool as racist. Because there's a lot of people in there that just have genuine, honest opinions that we'd be better off with Aaron Rodgers. They don't believe in the talent of Jordan Love. And it's unfair to point at that person and say, you're a racist. I don't like that stuff. And I think that we're way too comfortable doing that. And I understand what you're saying. And you're right. There are people that are like that. You might have been sitting right next to them. I have no idea. But because I can't see it, and because there's nothing that they're doing that is overtly racist, again, I think it's unfair to add to what they're saying, right? So they're saying, I don't believe in this player. And I have to add on, because he's black, therefore you're racist. That's not fair of me to do. So I will concede enough to say that they're in that group somewhere. I think it's a vast minority of them. You might think it's a majority. I don't know. But I don't generally like to look at groups of people and then just assume that the entire group or because some of them are in that group that we should just destroy all of them, right? Like there's this zombie plague and there's a zombie in this group somewhere. So we're just going to drop a bomb and wipe out the whole city. It's kind of a bad example because in that case, we would have to go in and root them out. And I just, I don't have any desire in doing that. People have bad opinions and are bad people. It is what it is, but I'm not going to call good people, bad people just for the sake of being able to call, you know what I mean? Like if my priority was calling out racists and that was the number one priority, then yeah, you scatter shot it in there and you say, I don't care that I mislabeled 90% of the people because I hit the 10%. I got them. I don't agree with that. I'm more worried about the 90% and not being unfair to them. So that's where I stand on it. Uh, You're right. There is some of that. And again, I think it's going to be a major narrative because what is going to happen, maybe, maybe not. Maybe Rodgers comes back and Jordan Love leaves. But then maybe we draft, uh, what's his name? The, uh, I don't know, the the black quarterback that's super fast and uh, Justin Fields. But let's just say that that is the case and they take over. What's going to happen, my estimation, because this is how it works, you're going to have people that don't like him, right? That's going to happen, just like it was with Aaron Rodgers. And I think the narrative is going to be white, racist Packer fans don't like Jordan Love because he's black. And I just think that that's unfair. And I think it distracts from the conversation we're having which again, we, I think we'd be having whether he was black or white because it's what happened with Aaron Rodgers. Does that make sense? I hope. Maybe not. I don't know. That's just my perspective on it. But I do appreciate the call. I got to figure out what to call you, man. You know what? You know what? I'm going to have the AI. If you don't give me a name, I'm going to have what I call my family is mad at me because all I ever talk about is my new friend, my robot. My daughter likes to tease my wife because I said I love my robot. And uh, she says that... Uh, I'm going to be leaving my wife for the robot. I'm going to take your conversation. I'm going to tell it where you're from, and I'm going to have it generate a name for you, okay? And once the robot has spoken, it has spoken. (laughs) All right, here are the options. Brian, because I thought you said uh, Brian when you said Ryan to address me. Angela Love, Pakistan. It went on to say, although this is unlikely to be an actual name, it could be a nickname or a reference to the person's heritage. Green Bay fan. Or black quarterback advocate. So pick that out. I feel it's a little unfair to go with black quarterback advocate because I don't want to pigeonhole you with that one. Green Bay fan is a massive honor. Although we do have somebody named Packer Superfan. Brian is me. The only other options are Angela Love or Pakistan. And I'm kind of leaning toward Pakistan. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, man. As a thank you for calling into the show, you are officially known as a Green Bay fan. And there can be no other. 
All right, we got another new caller. What's going on, man? This is Mike from San Antonio. Mike from uh, San Antonio. I'm kicking this it. over in my head, and the thing that makes me at least the Packers one of the coolest organizations, you know, being community owned, et cetera, et cetera, is also our biggest weakness. Uh, and it, to me, it's been a long time coming. Um, think back to you know the Favre days. He's coming back, is he not? Uh, now we're doing the same thing with Rodgers. Is mm-hmm. he coming back? Is he not? Um, then you've got, you know, McCarthy hanging on to uh, Dom Capers for too long. Uh, LaFleur possibly holding on to Joe Barry too long. We don't have an owner that one voice with skin in the game, their money, yeah. leading this team. Our board of directors this is kind of shocking. There's 43 people on the board of directors. That's okay, crazy. Then you've got your quote-unquote executive committee. And then you've got Mark Murphy as the talking head of that. The coach and the GM both report to Mark Murphy, which is odd. Your coach should report to your general managers well, the way it is in 99% of other sports organizations. We, to me, we just do not have that one voice, that one person willing to stand up, say, no, the buck stops here. This is the way it is. It leads to us, it, to me, being soft. Yeah. We're a soft team from the top to bottom. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm torn on it. I think 99% of the time I like the structure as it is. There are going to be those times, though, where we look at something and say, this needs to happen, period. Right? And so if we could just keep it where like, this person did exactly what we wanted them to do, as opposed to doing what a lot of other owners do, which... You know, again, the, the money thing is is kind of a, it's it's good and it's bad. Like you said, when your money's on the line, you're going to do what needs to be done, period. But at the same time, I think some owners, when money is the sole motivation, do things that aren't necessarily the most intelligent. Um, I think sometimes some of these guys do have a lot of power, but don't exactly have the best know-how. So the point is, if you had a perfect owner that always knew what to do, that would be ideal because yeah, they would unilaterally say, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. Um, and so, yeah, in that instance where we have a guy that is at the top that knows exactly what needs to be done and is that one voice that can say, this is happening right now, that would be ideal. Um, but I, I, I guess I just have some skepticism that that would be ideal most of the time. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know who that person would be, right? So, for example, like r- right now, the thought is we need a guy. I'm I'm, I'm just going to put words in your mouth. I don't know. But let's say we, re- we look at the salary cap and we realize that Rodgers coming back is not ideal based on his play, based on the salary cap, based on all that stuff. We're worried he's going to play one year and retire and we're in trouble, right? So we need somebody to step up and say, you're not coming back, period. And if you do, you're on the bet. Basically, we get Bob McGinn to be the owner. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, I, I guess it's entirely up to the person. It obviously has its benefits. And, and things can get done much quicker. But, you know, I mean, I, again, there, what if it gets done too quick? You know, I remember one of the times, I think it was, uh, who's the guy that got fired in Vegas? The coach. You know who I'm talking about. I'm the only person right now that doesn't know who I'm talking about. But um, I think it was him. But some there was a, a documentary I watched a while back. I've, again, referenced this many times. He's, he was a big hiring. They really wanted him. And he said, listen, if you're going to do this, 
I need a guarantee of, I think you said three years, it might have been five years, but you will not fire me in that period. Because the point is, I'm going to do some stuff and I'm going to build this the right way. And the right way to build this is a slow, long-term build. And I think some owners would say, no, I want immediate results. I need wins today. And again, that can that can bite you. And I think that's, you know, that's why there's some teams that stay at the bottom. The 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 NFL is built for parity. It's built so that if if all things were equal, if you just had AI, if you had robots running the NFL, you would see a ton of parity. A ton of parity. It would just be this this constant ebb and flow. I mean, you go to the top and then you go back to the bottom, and then you and that's all 32 teams. Because that's how it's wired. Again, assuming perfect intelligence across all 32 teams. There's a reason that some stay at the bottom. And I think that that's important to note. The Packers have largely stayed at the top. It's not a perfect thing. And you're right. There are times when things should have been done quicker. We need more decisiveness. We need a guy that doesn't need approval from the board or whatever, however that process works. But again, I, I, another fear would be acting too quick. You, you bring a guy in, there's not immediate success. He's done. You know, two years, whatever. And he's trying to do a slow. And, and again, does your GM have that security that we're going to stick by you? Or does the GM feel like his head is on the chopping block every year? So his decisions are based on short-term returns. And, and again, that may have something to do with the draft as well. There's a lot of other teams who get these, these immediate rookies that come in and play, and we don't really get that. Maybe it's because those GMs are looking for those immediate hits because they're worried that Mr. Mr. Uh, Henry VIII over here is waiting for me to have one bad season to knock me out. So I need guys immediately to come in, and the Packers are maybe looking for more long-term. I'm, I'm just speculating, but I'm just saying there's positives and negatives. I lean more toward our structure because I just don't trust the voice at the top to be the right answer. You know, Because part of the issue, I'm talking too long, but I'll end with this. Part of the issue is you need to delegate because you can't do everything. So you need a GM, and that GM needs his own structure, and there's a, a huge network of people. And, and the point is this network is meant to be the ultimate intelligence. All of us together can can be this this uh, ecosystem that we all, you know, no matter what, we know exactly what's going on. We got full intelligence over here in the the uh, NFL community. We know all these guys. So in free agency, we got all these guys working on the draft. Then we got the coaches that can develop, and we've got this great. But if there's one guy that says, no, I know what's going on, I'm going to put my finger down, you're circumventing what makes us strong. So it's, it's a weird balance between you need to be the guy that knows what to do so that you can make decisions, but also acknowledging, I don't know, I can't be the guy that knows everything and I need to delegate. And if I delegate, that means trust. So where do you draw the line between I'm trusting you that you're going to get this right, you're going to fix this, and I no longer trust you and I need to step in, even though I don't know as much as you do, I need to acknowledge that for whatever reason, I can't trust you anymore and I need to find somebody else. And I think that's a tough thing to do. And I think that's a tough balance. So I understand why some people fall on the other side of it, but that's just sort of my view on it. Thank you for calling in, Mike. Um, we got three more new callers. I'm doing graphics all day, son. I'm just going to do this every day. And I'm digging where people call from all over the place. So we had Northeastern Illinois, San Antonio, and I'm stalking where you guys are from. But now we've got, I believe, Northern Virginia. I'm not mistaken. What's going on, player? Ryan, my man, what's good? What's up, um, man? Well, I think we've beat the Aaron Rodgers saga to death. Yes, I agree. Uh, and there's really not much else to talk about about the Packers. But I had a, a little off-brand question Do here. It. Do you really think Lamar Jackson should get paid? Yeah. Keep in mind, he missed seven games last year and seven games the year before that. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I obviously don't think he should get that uh, anywhere near that um, that uh, Deshaun Watson contract. To be fair, Deshaun Watson didn't deserve the Deshaun Watson contract. What is going on with that, by the way? I mean, I know it's a horrible situation, and I'm kind of glad we're done talking about it because I don't want to talk about it, but dang, dude. He really was like one of the, if not the most promising young quarterbacks um, that was in the NFL. I mean, it was in my mind, it was maybe Pat Mahomes and then Deshaun, and I'm not sure Deshaun wasn't like the guy. So then he comes back, right? The legal thing, whatever it is, that's that's put over there, like him or not. He goes to Cleveland. It's like, dude, Cleveland locked up like the best young quarterback in football, and he just kind of sucks at football. And it's weird. Like, I'm not even positive. I haven't looked at, checked in on him. Like, did he get better? I know this isn't your question, but it's just kind of blowing my mind. Like, I forgot he existed, which is kind of funny. Um, I'm thinking more somewhere along the lines of between uh, Murray and uh, uh, Wilson. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's about all I got because the news is slow, and I'm tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers in darkness. That's about it. Thanks. Yeah, I am too. I actually just put out a, a call to Twitter. I said, I'm tired of talking about the same stuff. Please give me some new topics because I'm with you. And I, even yesterday... And I apologize if that show wasn't the best you've ever heard. <laughs> I could just, once in a while, and it's not very often, but once in a while, like, I'm talking about stuff, and I just, I don't care. And I'm trying to make it sound like I care because I want it to be an engaging show, but I'm going through my notes and everything, and I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, I don't want to talk about this. This isn't interesting to me. And I'm trying not to let that bleed through, but I can feel it. And then you kind of get into this death cycle where it's like, dude, your show sucks. Everybody can hear it. Nobody likes this. And so the show was like a half hour long because I'm like, I just need to get out of here and kind of reset. So if you're one of the few people that pays, like Patreon or whatever for the show, I apologize. If you don't, hey, it's free. <laughs> I'm allowed a bad show once a month. Anyways. Lamar, I'm 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 100 with you. Now here here's kind of the funny thing, and I think this actually ties in with the last call. I think somebody's going to pay him a lot of money. I'm not sure if it's going to be the Ravens. Um, and I think it's kind of similar to the Rodgers situation. Why would anybody take on Rodgers? I don't get it. Well, if you get guys like Woody Johnson for the Jets, who are looking at it saying we've got an opportunity right now, and um, we can, if we can get the right guy, we can actually go somewhere. And I actually think Lamar makes a lot of sense. It's just it's a it's a it's just a wild swing. They've got I'm sure they got plenty of money. The Jets always have money, um, and you take a big swing. And if he misses time, then whatever, who cares? But dude, Lamar in New York, just running wild with those weapons out there for the first time. You know they don't really have wide receivers. Baltimore they got a tight end, but finally he's got some receivers. Offensive line isn't as big of a deal because of his mobility. He's got a defense. I mean Baltimore's always had a defense, but he got a defense here. Honestly, if I'm the Jets, I'd probably rather have Lamar than Rodgers. And yes, the injuries are a concern, but it's 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 going to be at least a young guy that you can give a big contract to, and he's going to be here for the next five years. And if he gets injured, you know, plays half a year, that sucks. But if we can get that year where he's... Because you know that's not going to happen every... Well, I guess you don't know, but it's probably not going to happen every year. And you can actually honestly go on a run here. You can actually really do this. And you get his backup to be a similar, kind of like what they have in Baltimore. You get a mobile guy. I tell you what. You pay him, and then maybe you draft Anthony Richardson. Maybe that's a little ambitious. Maybe you shouldn't do that, but, I mean, it's kind of similar to Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. If Anthony Richardson is, because I think Lamar is kind of the standard. He's, he's, he is the closest we have to that vision of a quarterback that is that perfect blend of 
being an elite runner that also can throw. Now, he's not the best passer in football, but he's a good passer. And that's all you need. And the problem problem for him right now, although he kind of a little up and down with the passing, but he's mostly pretty solid, is the injuries. And so I, I, I agree. If I'm Baltimore, I'm looking at it going, I can't pay you that big contract because I don't trust that you're going to be available. Best ability is availability, right? I don't know if that's a true thing, but it's probably pretty close to true. Actually, it, it probably is exactly true because none of your abilities matter if you're not playing. But anyways, I, I, I think it's possible. First of all, it's possible they come to a conclusion. Um, maybe he takes whatever deal. You know, They can obviously play with a lot of numbers and put a lot of money in his pocket and structure it a certain way. I think the problem is going to be the guarantees. I think he's going to want some fully guaranteed kind of contract or something just ridiculous, and there's no way. There's no way anybody's going to want to give him that kind of a contract. But again, you find some desperate teams that are all about like, just let's put some butts in the seats. Let's get some wins. Let's get to the playoffs. You know, we've got everything but a quarterback. Just take us there. Teams again, like the Jets, maybe the Raiders. I don't know. They don't really have that. But again, all it takes is a stupid owner that is stupid to pull that lever and say, we're doing it. Um so I guess if I had to make a prediction, and this is probably wrong because it's it's best to go with just the most boring answer, and the most boring answer would be he stays in Baltimore. Um, or, you know, maybe he plays under the tag or whatever. But I, th- I think from his perspective, that's a bad idea. Most of the time, it's not that bad of an idea. But if, you're, if your biggest issue is injuries, you don't want to play under the tag. You're going to get that contract. You're going to get hurt again. Your value is going to plummet even worse. And then you're not, you, you need to sit out and just say, I'm absolutely not doing it. And I think the final issue with that um, is the, the Ravens are kind of screwing you by putting the tag on because the teams that really want you the most, are they willing to wait to see what happens or are they going to snag up Rodgers if he's available or just go with Carr? I mean, I, th- I think right now the Jets are probably the most quarterback hungry team. At least that's how they've advertised themselves. There was a, somebody took a picture of Derek Carr out with leadership uh head coach uh Hackett was there I think Johnson was probably there I don't know but um if Rogers says no I think Carr goes there and then you got Garoppolo and you got other guys that are gonna get snagged up because teams are just worried like I don't have a quarterback we got to do something plus you got the draft by that point are you gonna get that massive contract with somebody else and I think that's the pressure the Ravens are gonna put on them to just finally settle and say you know you can play under the tag you can accept our contract or you can let it ride and, you know, see what happens this year. He's got to play. I mean, the problem with sitting out is they can just keep tagging you. So he's in a tough spot, but I think the biggest issue is he's not realizing his actual value. I think he's overvaluing himself. Um, You have to take into account the injuries. I think that they're willing to give him a big number, but there's going to be contingencies on, you know, I mean, if you don't play, you don't earn. You know, there's going to be some guarantees, obviously, but... I, I, I do think that that's his best bet, depending on how far the Ravens want to take it, whether or not they're willing to just hold on and say, you can do whatever you want, we're not letting you go. Or if they are willing to kind of part ways with him, I think he can get a big payday. I just don't know what the Ravens are going to do. But I don't think the Ravens should give what he wants. I think Lamar should take a big number and he'll probably get a big paycheck up front, right? So you get your big payday and then the rest is going to be contingent on your ability to stay healthy. And, and the point is, it'll be structured in such a way that says, if you're healthy, you're going to be the highest paid quarterback in football. I don't have any problem giving you that contract. But that's if you're healthy. So, And I think you should take that and just make a bunch of money. And if you get hurt, well, that sucks. You're still rich. That's my thought. He's his own agent. He's going to do what he wants to do. 
But uh, once again, I don't have a name for you, I don't believe. So we're going to go ahead and uh, let the computer pick a name for you, and we'll see what we got. All right, man. We got it. You ready? Drum roll. No, I'm not doing that. I'm too lazy. Your official name is <laughs> Lamar Moneybags Lewis. Please continue to call in so I can say Moneybags, what's going on? I'm so excited to call you Moneybags. All right, we got uh, two more new callers. We're going to take a break, though. Please consider donating uh, to the cause, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Very easy way to sign up and uh, just contribute. You know, it can do as little as a dollar a month. Thank you so much to Mr. Mike Luther, who jumped in yesterday. Really, really appreciate your pledge and your contribution. If you're more of a one-time kind of guy, Venmo is a Packernet podcast. Also, please check out uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Uh, they'd love to have your support in any way that you can offer it. You can find them at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. New caller here. This is 1265 fan. Hey. Yeah. Anywho, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. A while back, could have been doing better, but uh, I right. got a... Uh, last month, I was written up for the first time in my entire career, and I'm 53 years old. Oh, what'd you do? I was written up for my attitude. Oh, that a girl. Which, uh, yeah, I did have an attitude, because my boss sucks. Yeah, I get it. Well... So I've been at my job, well, my current job for just about a year and a half. But before that, I was really with the same company, just a different business unit of theirs. Okay. So overall, I've been there about 11 years. Yep. And um, I decided to leave them. Good. Because they suck. Good. And today, I had an awesome job interview. Nice. Awesome. The CFO, who I interviewed with, she's a Packer fan and noticed my truck. I didn't say a word. I was parked in their visiting parking lot. Yeah. And she noticed my truck. She's on the Packer season ticket holder waiting list. Nice. Which, thanks to my father, I'm a Milwaukee season ticket holder. 
And yes, I do stand and scream, so don't even complain <laughs> about Milwaukee fans. They're not all like that. Anywho, um, so I said, well, I might be able to set you up with some tickets if you choose me. Dang. I don't know. I don't know if that's allowed, Hoping but I like I it. have a good shot. <laughs> Give me some good luck, Rice. Okay, bye. I'd hire you. I don't, I mean, it depends on the job, I guess, but... I feel like you'd be a fun person to work with. And let's be honest, that's what interviews are. I've I've even been told that when, you know, when the boss does an interview and then like the final interview, they bring the guys in and the guys kind of grill them. And the whole point is, is this somebody you want to work with? Is this like a person that is going to be, because you guys, I mean, you live together. You spend more time with your coworkers and your family a lot of times. When you factor in the drive time and everything else, that's, that's just the reality. So... You just want to be around somebody that's going to make you not miserable. And uh, I get the impression that's you. You seem like a fun person. Speaking of, um, I see you called back. Usually I just do one call, but I'm very intrigued to see what's going on. Maybe you got the job. How do you have a call-in show? And then you support phones down hey, for five challenge? Listen, don't wait. Don't. Wait, you have a call-in show. Don't do this to me. Trying to wrap my head around this. Come on now. Will you use your phone? Listen. Call in, but then you want phones down. I swear on everything, I did not cut her off. I will take a screenshot and send it to you for video proof. Um, Listen, I didn't say you can't have a phone ever. It's just about put it away. It, I literally said it could be five minutes. Five minutes. That's it. Just five minutes. And maybe after that you could call in. Right? It's just a little detox. Okay? But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to do the long term, that's fine. Just, I mean, we have enough callers that if we stagger when you do your 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 phones down thing, um, you know, listen, listen don't. Don't do this to me. All right. We were we started off on a good note and now you're gonna bust my chops. It's not a it's not a bad idea. It is a good idea. But yes, I do want you to call in also. But we gotta understand the spirit of the thing, you know? Social media detox. Not for the rest of your life, because I need the calls, man. I need you guys to interact. But just for a little bit. And then call when your detox is done and tell me how it went. Tell me if you're happier. But don't yell at me. I'm just trying to do a good thing here. The phone down challenge is a good thing. The call and show is a good thing. They're both good things and they can coexist in the same world. Don't do that to me, 1265 fan. All right, final new caller before we can kind of go back up to the top. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Um, this is Matt. First off, I just wanted to say, uh, hey, Matt. great show. Thank Watch you. it every day. Um, but I thought I would ask you for your opinion on your draft crushes here. Um, maybe a little early in the process, but curious to see if there's anyone that you have picked out as a favorite um myself i think darnell washington georgia tight end looks to be a stud big boy i like him moves pretty good seems to have soft hands um can't say i've i've broken down film on him but i imagine he can block he's he's pretty large um maybe that's not the case but he would be a fun one uh, i see a lot of mocks having him going the, the second or third so Maybe we can take a stab at him there. Um, some of my past favorites that we've 
we've gotten Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. I loved them last year. I was, I was pumped when we drafted them. Randall Cobb back in the day, he was a, a crush at the time. BJ Raji, um, those guys seem to have worked out. It doesn't always play out that you get the guy that you, you go into the process loving, but those are just a few names. Ha ha Clinton Dix as well. Um, yeah. didn't quite work out like the others, but I was pumped when we drafted him. Uh, but yeah, curious to see if you had a, a crush at this point in the process and, and who it is. Thanks. Yeah, Matt, I'm still working through that, man. Um, I need to start digging into some of the later guys. Um, I've, I've watched, where did he go? Where did he go? I've watched Zay Flowers, but not enough to where it's like, all right, what is my official opinion? Same with Jalen Hyatt. Haven't really like dug in. Um, a lot of these guys I've got to kind of spend some time with. I really, really do like Darnell Washington. I, I think, I really think at this point, here's where I'm at. My, my issue is we have pick 15. I want to find a guy that's worth pick 15, you know? And I like a lot of these guys. I just, I struggle with the 15 thing. I mean, I would love to have almost any one of these guys on this list I'm looking at. Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Brian Branch, Bijan, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Brian Brzee, uh, Osiris Torrance I would take, although we're not touching them. A lot of these guys I'm okay with. But I'm okay with it from like a, you know, if we were picking at 24, 25, like we usually are, or 28 or something, then it would just be awesome. So it kind of feels like at 15, we get priority pick of late first round prospects, which is good, but also sucks. Like you get to pick the best second round prospect in the draft. That's not good. You know what I mean? Or, you know, again, late first. It would be better, in my estimation, to trade back. And although we don't get the priority, we don't get maybe our first option, we still get the guy at a better value, right? Again, I always use that analogy with the money. You just want to make sure that you're getting the most for your money. And I don't want to spend $20 on a $15 prospect. Even if I get first pick of the litter of all the $15 prospects, it's not the best way to do it. What you do is you trade your 20 for two tens, and then you take those two tens. And maybe you can get a $15 prospect with your 10. And now you're making some money. But then you still have that second 10. And so if you get a, instead of spending $20 on a $15 prospect, we can maybe get a $15 player and a $10 player for 20 bucks. Now we got a $25 value for 20 bucks. That's just sort of my overall thought process and, you know, in terms of putting it in terms of a value that kind of makes sense. That's just kind of how I'm seeing it. But I could be entirely wrong. And again, I, I think the value might be in the tackles. I haven't officially like ruled them out or anything. I've, I've never, I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of offensive linemen or tackles a ton. And I mean, tackles are pretty dominant across the board. So it's just, it's, I guess it's hard for me to know. I mean, I can watch probably a fourth round prospect just whoop the crap out of somebody. And it's like, okay, well, that's awesome. And I love them. I, I, I got to figure out what makes them. Again, if you're pick 15, you are a starter, you are like Brian Balaga. How do I trust that you move up to that next level? You have the athleticism, you have the, I mean, you got to have, you're the total package, right? So it's tough to know. But I will say this, if Skaronsky or Johnson 
or Broderick Jones are that dude. And I really, I like their style, especially for right. I know right and left is more interchangeable these days than it used to be, but I still like the idea of this mauling, powerful, just brute force right tackle. I really do like that. And I think it's important. We do need to improve our offensive line. So I I may be leaning that way. If you told me to place a bet today, I would say it's going to be Brian Branch. This feels like the haha Clinton Dix thing. Haha Clinton Dix year, the biggest weakness on the team was safeties. We had like the worst and second worst safeties in the entire league on our team. There was one good safety. He fell right into our lap. Safety out of Alabama, just like Brian Brand. Clear number one, even though he was, I think, the second safety that went because somebody, you know, started flying up the boards or whatever. But he landed right in our lap. And that was the one year where I looked at it and said, it has to be. And that's what it was. It just seemed too obvious. And I feel like it's going to be that again. And it's like, okay, fine. But um, I, I think if you wanted to make me the happiest right now, and you did a mock draft and you just wanted me to smile, I think you would probably take a tackle. And I'm leaning Skaronsky, although I really like Broderick Jones. I have to watch more of Paris Johnson. I like him too. But it's kind of like, it's actually very similar, the Skaronsky to Broderick Jones things to Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington. You got the two Georgia guys where it's like Broderick isn't seen as as good as Skaronsky. Skaronsky is this big mauling, but he's also just considered a better tackle than Broderick Jones. But Jones is a big, scary, monstrous human being. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the eye candy thing. Same with Darnell. Like, Michael Mayer is, he's real big, real strong, more of a technician, better route runner, da-da-da-da-da. It's like, but you got this other guy who's bigger, taller, faster, stronger. It's like, I don't know, dude. How do you not, how do you not like that guy more? I don't understand. Well, it's about being a better football player. Like, I get it, but also, I don't know. It's like that guy that runs like a 4-3. Like, I know he's not as good of a football player, but it's kind of cool, right? I mean, he basically ran a 4-2-9. Come on. So that's where I'm leaning. And it's easy to fall in love with tackles because tackles usually win, right? The default is winning. So you just watch them whoop on people all day long. So I don't have anyone that, I'm, that I love aside from Bijan Robinson, who I don't think the Packers should take. And so I'm kind of in a tough spot. The other thing that I want to do is start watching corners. I don't love the idea of us drafting a corner, but I saw somebody post a highlight of, I think it was Witherspoon. And he read a play jumped it before anybody ever moved. I mean, he was almost across the line. He was playing off, and he was almost across the line of scrimmage by the time they snapped the ball, and he absolutely killed a guy. So you've got speed, violence, aggression, and a massive amount of intelligence. Because if he's wrong on that guess, nothing happened. A guy went in motion, and he jumped it. He saw the guy moving. He's like, I know what you're doing. It was unbelievable. I mean, maybe he was blitzing, but he was on the way on the boundary. It was really weird. And he wasn't going for the quarterback. He beelined directly for that running back. So I saw that and I was like, I might want to start watching these guys because there might be value there. And that's the thing. I mean, if, if this is a top 10 prospect, what do you do? Do you take the corner because he's that dude and let the chips fall where they may as far as the guys we have? Maybe it's Witherspoon and Stokes with Jair in the slot. I've been pushing against that for a long time. And I know we have Razul also, but just give me the best guys. Or maybe if Stokes doesn't pan out, then it's Witherspoon and, and Jair and, and we keep Douglas in the slot. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, uh, Savage in the slot. I have no idea. But it becomes that thing where if you have a stud sitting there, you take him. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I do want to start watching that because I saw that clip and that was, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. When we're talk, and I know it's not a top three pick or a top five pick. But this is an early pick for the Packers, and they do have the ability to move up a little bit if they need to. I'm just looking for that guy where my jaw hits the floor, and I say, this guy's different. He's not just a guy. He's not like one of those guys. You know, uh, listen, I like Tyree Wilson, 
But I've been watching guys that are expected to go at pick 28 for a long time. And Tyree Wilson reminds me of a lot of guys that I've been watching that are that are expected to potentially be there in the 20s. That's just what I see when I see Tyree Wilson. I mean, he reminds me of, uh, I, I said his name before, but I can't remember. Uh, I think he went to Seattle and then he got into a big accident. And then I think he got arrested and a whole bunch of weird stuff. But he's just an absolute freaking wrecking ball. But he seems unrefined and all this stuff. Nobody's dropping my jaw. That clip did, though. Maybe a little bit of these. Oh, oh, and by the way, Darnell Washington does that, too. So I, you, he's borderline crush territory. I might check him out. All right, let's uh, take this up to the top so we can at least get to uh, one of our original callers. And none better than a guy we haven't heard from in a little while, Mr. Jersey Mike. Hey, Ryan. So uh, I've had a few days to process this uh Oh, by the way, Jersey Mike. Hey, Jersey Mike. I've had a few days to process this whole uh, good account, Matt LaFleur, hating Aaron Rodgers news. Yeah. Um, and and I think you're missing something. Good. Right? Let me know. The article says how Brian Gutekunst, or whatever his name is, talks about how Brian Gutekunst, a year or so ago, was talking ish about Rodgers. I 100% believe that's true. Right? Okay. And let's imagine that you're Matt LaFleur, okay? And you're trying to go out there and you're trying to get another, you've got two 13-3 win seasons, you know, and, and you're, looking, you're looking for that, you know, that, that championship run. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I think Jordan Love is good, but I don't think he's there yet. And I think Rodgers can bring this team to a championship, Right? And then you got, I don't know, a crappy Rodgers doesn't show up for the off-season program, barely puts in the effort, yada, yada, so on and so forth. And so you have Brian Gutekunst for some time now has wanted to get rid of Rodgers. Matt LaFleur, who is like, nah, Gutekunst, hold on, let's pay this man, because I think we can get a Super Bowl. And Gutekunst is probably like, okay. But now the guy who went to bat for him and Matt LaFleur is so freaking ticked off about how garbage he plays in, in, in any kind of meaningful game, that LaFleur was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm throwing my hands up in the air. I can be Mr. Nice Guy. I can call all the plays you want. I can give you free reign in the offense. But you know what? You know what, Rodgers? I'm done. I had your back. I had your back. And now here we are. So what if, what if the reports are true? You're just not looking at them the right way. And I really think that's what it is. I really think in some kind of form of Gutekunst has been, let's say, let's forget to replace Rodgers, right? And the floor was looking for a backup. That's where Love drafted, that's where Love drafted right? Gutekunst is still trying to find a way to replace Rodgers and build this team because he knows that Rodgers is a strain on everything. Remember, Gutekunst was looking for a locker, locker room guys. Rodgers is not a locker room guy. Gutekunst is playing. You know, random mediocre players turn them over. Rodgers is not one of those random mediocre players. There's big bucks, right? And all this culminates to Rodgers got to go. That's my take. That's what I think of it. Let me know what you think. Obviously, you've already said a lot, but uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, that could be. So, because listen, Gutekunst... It did. There, there was like a weird switch that took place. Gutekunst always seemed to be sort of that old school. I'm the GM. You're the coach. You're the quarterback. That's the division of labor. You stay in your lane. I'll stay in my lane. And yeah, I mean, it it it, it always made everything made sense up to a point. 
Gutekunst comes in, he drafts his guy. That's what GMs do. They want to get their guy, right? Rodgers, his play is slipping, he's getting old, he's crotchety, he's angry at the organization, whatever. And Gutekunst wasn't working on the relationship, probably because he was expecting this thing to come to an end. And so things, he allowed things to kind of drift or whatever, and it just, it wasn't really obviously working out, and Gutekunst didn't give a crap. It's not my job to be, you know, babysitter or your best friend or whatever. I do my job, you do your thing again. Um... And so the plan was to start pushing in that direction. And then Matt LaFleur comes along and says, look, I really want Rodgers. Like he's, he's, we, we can, trust me, we can get there. I can do this. We can do this. Like he's, he's, he's that dude. So Gutekunst swallows his pride and says, okay, let's do it. And sure enough, let's just say this, you know, the first thing was 2019. And then in 2020, he gets MVP. He's dominant. He's out of control. And so then at that point, you've got that whole rift. I think that's around when that time happened. And so then Matt LaFleur is like, dude, I told you, like, this is legit. We got him to be MVP. We're going to win a Super Bowl with this guy. Like, it's, it's, we can do this. And Gutekunst is like, holy crap, you're right. So at that point, now Rodgers realized he has all the power. So that's when he goes full-blown diva mode. He's like, I want this new contract. You're going to commit to me. You're going to show me a contract that says we're not just going to dump you whenever because that's how Gutekunst had it structured because he's like, I'm ready to go. When it's time to go, let's get rid of this guy. Rodgers knew that. He comes in and he says, I want a new contract that says that basically gives me control. I have the power to say when I go and when I whatever. And there was a lot of pushback and Gutekunst like, dude, we're not, we're not going to do that. We'll, we'll give you something. We're not doing that. And so Rodgers throws his, throws his hands up and throws a fit and is like, fine, forget you guys. I'm done. You guys don't treat people right, blah, blah, blah. That's when this whole thing happened. And Gutekunst made an executive decision, and that was, I need to fix this because I think, I think he's right. I think we're going to win a Super Bowl with this guy. So that's when they fly out there. I'm so sorry. The mea culpas, you know, I wasn't doing things right. Because, again, he, he was just letting it erode. He thought this thing was over. So he goes out and Lafleur goes out and, you know, Lafleur has been at his back. He has his back this whole time. Gutekunst, maybe not so much, but they make concessions. Like, look, we'll get your guy. We'll go get Randall. We'll give you the contract. Like, you know, uh, and we're going to work on this relationship thing. So that's when things kind of started to mend, at least as far as, you know, doing what needs to be done. Gutekunst still, of course, wants to be that dude that gets his own guy and goes his own way. But, you know, we have to explore this thing. Then 2021 happens. He's still good. He's not quite as good, but things are kind of falling apart. But again, like we got this, like we're going to keep going. He can play for however long, hopefully for a really long time because he's that dude. He's MVP Rogers. We got this. But then this year happens and you got to reevaluate some stuff. Like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm just going along with your storyline here and maybe I'm misunderstanding it. And I apologize if I am, but I'm, I'm, I, I think it could make sense. It's certainly a path that could have happened. Um, so, so at this point, Gutekunst is looking at Lafleur and saying, "What? Like, what do we? What do we do now? Now, I mean, what, what what's the plan? Are we really going to run this back? Are we really going to do this again?" And um, yeah, maybe Matt Lafleur kind of got to that point where he's like, "All right, you know what? You're right. Like we we've been trying, we've been banging our head against the wall, doing everything we can to make this work with the guy that we got, the guys that we got, and it's just not good enough." Um, I mean, again, it, it it's so it's so hard to fully get there. It really is, just from the standpoint of 
I mean, they have, they have been bold-faced lying about this for a long time. And again, you, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. From my perspective, it really seems like they believe it. You know, I, I know lying is not out, outside of the realm of possibility, but it really feels like they believe what they're saying when they deflect every, you know, I mean, they, they always talk about Green Bay media. It does, wouldn't hold his feet to the fire. They push so hard to get Rodgers or LaFleur or Gutekunst to say one negative thing about Rodgers. They kept pushing as hard as they possibly could. Tell me one bad thing you did. It's not exactly what they said, but, and they wouldn't do it. And they're just insistent that the issues, and, and Rodgers talked about it, like we've had it, he didn't want to address exactly what it is, but they were all talking about the same thing. There's a problem, and it's not Rodgers. Rodgers was saying it, LaFleur was saying it, Gutekunst was saying it. They didn't want to say exactly what it was. I have a feeling they were blaming the receiver situation, but I don't know. And again, it, it, it none of this matters. The question is, do they actually believe it? And it felt like they did, but maybe they didn't. I don't know. It's such a weird situation, man. I can follow your logic. I can be there with you. I think it makes sense. Gutekunst has always wanted to turn the page. He wants to be that guy that went and got his own quarterback and has his own Packers legacy as opposed to just riding the, the Ted Thompson coattails, just trying to keep what Ted Thompson built alive. Um, and, and yeah, I, 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 it just, it, there's just, it, it doesn't matter which way you turn. It's the wrong turn. Every time you try to follow a path, there's always that, th- that nagging thing in the back. Even, even the McGinn thing, most people want to discredit it. I don't. That's coming from somewhere. He's not making that up. I mean, maybe the person lied to McGinn and McGinn happily accepted the information because he clearly doesn't like Rodgers and he wants to move on. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I'm looking forward to hearing from Rodgers. I doubt we get full clarity. My guess, if I, if, again, if you, and, and it's probably less than 50%, but the highest probability that, that I have right now is that Rodgers does de- decide to come back. He does um, decide to play for the Packers. And um, the Packers accept him happily. They completely discredit Bob McGinn. And Bob says, look, I, th- th- this is the reality. This is what I was told. And then there's a split between he's a liar and, and he this, that, or the other. But um, I don't know. Again, again it, it really seems hard to believe because he, he put it all on the line. I mean, he went so far as to say if he comes back, they're going to bench him. I, I think that was a speculation on his part, but that is a wild speculation to make. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. This, this is, again, this is one of the crazier things that I've, I've ever seen in terms of somebody being so blatant about their very specific predictions about what will happen. Um, crazy stuff. Anyways, I think I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. Thank you to all the callers and, uh, please keep them coming because, you know, just don't want to get too low. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. 